It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Fellowship with the saints. I have the incredible, humbling privilege to speak at many different churches. Sometimes pastors will call me on Saturday night and say, I'm sick, I can't go tomorrow and I can hardly talk and go. That's what I do. God's called me to do it. There's, uh, this last year, four churches have offered me to be their pastor, and I believe God's called me to be a missionary. I am labeled by the mission that I work for as a youth evangelist. I am uh, on the pastor staff at Lockport Christ Community Church. Um, this is just kind of a rough overview. You guys are probably looking at me like, this guy is weird, he's got a big head, and I don't know who he is. And that's okay. But it's great, I say all this to say that I represent Jesus Christ wherever Amen. I am. It's not, about, it's not about who I am, but at the same time, what he's brought me through, he can do the same for you, wherever you are, whatever position you're in. My wife isn't here today, which is like the first time in forever. She's picking up my oldest son at the airport. I say oldest son because I got a lot of boys in youth group and boys that used to be in my house a lot back here. <laughs> I miss that when you get you doing the screamo band practice in the basement. I miss it. I miss your voice, man. I do. I'm telling you. You know I'm a heavy metal fan. Um, I miss that. I miss it, my brother Andy. It's good to know that God understands what we like and what we enjoy. And he inherits the praises of his people. Uh, my son is an amazing young man, Micah. Uh, he fills in churches all around. He helps me with youth group. He's uh, a strong arm to me. He's helped me with my life, spiritual walk, and that's what sons are supposed to do. Uh, he upholds me with his strong right arm. I love him. And I miss him. <laughs> He's coming back. Um, my daughter lives just down the road here in East Shelby with uh, Brennan O'Connor. The O'Connors used to come here many years ago. Um, she's married a very godly man. He's one of the supervisors over at Brunner, uh, 21 years old. God has blessed that young man with incredible uh, vision and incredible work ethic, incredible gifts from God that many times we overlook, that that's a gift from God to have a work ethic. It's an incredible gift from God. <laughs> and they're doing awesome. I have two new daughters living with us. Ashlyn is up front here in Summer. Summer is on a missions trip. She got chosen to be with Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. You ever hear of that? Um, he, we went out there to Roach, Missouri. We were there for a week. We took 11, and we came back with nine. Two of the girls we took got chosen for their mission team, traveling to 11, I think 12 different Native American reservations on the East Coast from South Carolina up to Maine. They were up in the farthermost part of Maine. Um, and two and a half years ago, Summer was laying in the road after taking a bottle of pills at night, trying to kill herself. And the car ran over her foot. And now she's on the mission field, sharing her hope story with Native Americans across the eastern seaboard. And the other night we talked and she said she had a chance to pray with someone when they asked Jesus into their heart. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. My daughter Ashlyn, 
She's here in the front row as well. She's understanding more and more the power of God. She's understanding what it is to follow Jesus and tell people about Jesus, to go from darkness to light. She has an amazing testimony as well that God is going to use her for amazing things. Young man Anthony up here, he's living with us this summer. Uh, He's from our youth group as well in Lockport. He used to come to youth group high on drugs, want to fight people, beat people up, whatever it takes to stay on top. Yeah, he covers a space in shame because it is, it is shameful to look in our past, but at the same time we understand what our past is and it changes us to what we are today. We see what it does and we can help other people and that's what he's doing. He shared his testimony a few different times. He shared his testimony in youth group and the kids were all asking questions and it was a great night. It was a great night of impact. Did I leave anybody out? I don't think I did. <laughs> Um, God has called me to share the word wherever I go, wherever it is. doesn't matter. I, Rusty Peters, we've known each other for, I don't even know how long it's been we've known each other. Long. Remember Disciple? Band Disciple? A couple has an odd. <laughs> That's my brother-in-law and him used to play in the band. I used to go and preach with them once in a while when they would sing different places. Enjoyed that very much. But before we begin the sermon, I want to help us focus. We're, we're focused on what Jesus has done for us. And I want everything that I've said so far to be reflected right back on who Jesus is. Because I am not the same person that I was ten years ago. Jesus is the only one that's a constant. Okay? I, I am constantly improving to what he wants me to be. He's changing me from glory to glory constantly. This is what he does, through the power of his word. Not by my opinion, because my opinion has to be this. The scriptures. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 42. Of all people in scripture, we seem to gravitate back to the Psalms and King David. In times of trouble, in times of rejoicing, times of pain, in times of sorrow. Today we're going to look at a few points from Psalm 42. If you look at the definition up there, it says, on these grounds, faith is a result of what? This is going to be a little bit interactive here. For those of you that can see up there, and what does it say for what? A current belief system is shaped by our experience, whereas hope is the product of design of a future state of affairs. And while the two are intimately connected, two is the best expression of the relationship between faith and hope. One cannot hope without faith. Which brings us to Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come to appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throne and lead, throng and lead them to possession, procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise? A multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil inside me? 
Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon and from the Mount Mitzar. Deep calls into deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over top of me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of mine enemy? As with a deadly wound inside my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where's your God now? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Father, Your Word is what makes life created everything into being, and we run everywhere else, Lord, for answers. We are failures. We are empty-headed. Fill us with your word and your power, with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't have all the answers. Pastor Russ doesn't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. But we hold in our hands in so many various different ways The answer is for life. If you bring up the first page, it's already up. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? What do you see that picture there? What is that? I don't know. It's it's an ugly creature. It's an evil, evil thing. The cat is like, I don't want a bath. I don't want to be clean. I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else licking my own stuff off, which is really gross. That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. God wants to take us when we're cast down and He wants to give us a bath. He wants wants us to go to church, be a part of the fellowship. He wants us to talk to someone about our problems and sit down with the Word of God and say, this is how we fix it. And we're like that stupid cat that doesn't want a bath. They're scratching and clawing. No, give me, I want to do my own thing. Let me do what I want to do. I'll be petted when I want to be petted. Not when you want to pet me. Right? This is what God calls us. We're all filled with turmoil. And he's calling us. He says, I have the plan for you. We're like, no, I don't have time for that. I, I got other things to do. I got more important things. I want to do what I want to do. I need some chocolate cake. That'll fix it. I need a Twix bar, because that's got it going on. I need a payday. I need something. I need a Twinkie. I know a lot of you probably were crying all night when they stopped making Twinkies. And, oh, I had forgotten what they tasted like. I was like, I haven't had a Twinkie in so long. I don't even know what they're like. But God knows what we need. God understands our turmoil in verse 5. David knew that. Why? Why are we cast down? Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Bam. 
Here it comes. It's coming. There it is. The cup that God gave us to drink, often we don't appreciate. We don't like it. And we read this verse in 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Now wait a minute, Lord. You promised me rainbows and unicorns and um, candy bars and sweet things all around and I'd have health all the time and I'd be able to jump as high as I want to jump and I could do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I'd be free in Christ. Really? I'm going to be persecuted? You mean I have to understand the fellowship of your suffering? I, I, I don't want to. I want to do something else. Let's go find another church. Let's go find some place that just preaches love everyone and just feel happy all the time. Jesus said, bear one another's burdens. So that's a promise to me that I am going to have a burden and somebody else is going to have a burden and I have to help them carry it when they can't carry it anymore. If they need to be picked up and carried, I need to come along beside them and pick them up and carry them. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. When he held that cup, he drank not just a little bit. He didn't take a sip of it and put it down and say, forget it. He drank it all in. And he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, seeing all through history. And we call ourselves followers of Christ? I think we're falling short, amen? Amen. That's what we have to do. I'm saying we. I'm in the same ship with the disciples. I probably would have watched Peter jump out of the boat. I don't know if I'd have jumped out there with him either. I might have been John. I might have been Matthew. Then again, I might have been Peter. So I like to jump out there and realize that this is good, even though it's scary. I don't know. But Jesus Christ said, if you want to live a godly life, be ready to suffer. It's going to happen. It's a promise from God. We need to know the promises of God. This is one of the great promises. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Many of us have this memorized. This is your memory verses for the week. Mark it down. Write it down on your doorpost to your house. Well, your mom might get mad at you. But write it on a piece of paper, a sticky note, something. Stick it on your glasses, whatever you got to do. Put it on your notepad, whatever you got to do. So it pops up every five minutes and read this verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry. Really, Lord? You're telling me not to worry? Because that's my middle name. I want to worry. I have the right. I have the freedom to worry. Let me worry whenever I want to worry. No, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient to the day is the own trouble. (laughs) We all know what that trouble is. There's going to be trouble tomorrow. We go through maybe the whole day. Man, this day was awesome. I didn't have any problems. I never think, well, I guess there was a couple of problems there. I kind of, I'm sorry, Lord. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, Lord, thank you. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit and shows us what we need to get right with the Word of God. <laughs> and many times that's why we push the Word of God away because we don't want the Holy Spirit showing us what we did wrong. Because that's, that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do, show us all truth and lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, Jesus said, when I go, I'm, somebody's going to come and he's going to be with you all the time, wherever you go. And I'll teach you all things. We don't want to be taught all things. We want to learn our own things that we like. 
And God says, no, it's in my word. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Seek first the kingdom of God. In this trouble, a piece of his wise action says this, faith isn't a feeling. It's a choice to trust God, even when the road ahead seems what? How many have GPS? Okay, amazing. Love it. But when you know the way to get there and it tells you to go another way, and you know the other, that GPS is wrong, you're going to go, right? Right? You're going to go the way you know is the way you like to go. My wife is awesome with this. We'll be coming home from someplace. Why are you going this way? Well, I just want to go someplace different. I just feel like going this way. Okay. We do the same thing with God. You know, God, I know the Bible tells me to go this way. I know the Bible, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I just feel like doing it my own way today. God says, okay. Go ahead. Doesn't he? And we're falling on our face and we're crying and we're like, I can't do it anymore. There's a great illustration of this when I think about a football player when they're trying out for football teams and all the coaches are sitting around watching the videos of the guys, you know, these big offensive linemen are standing there and this, this defensive lineman's getting up and he's trying to break through the line and he smashes into the line and he falls back down and he gets up and he smashes into the line and he falls back down again and he gets up and the one coach goes, man, that guy's got a lot of tenacity. He's got... And the other coach goes, are you kidding me? I don't want that guy. I want that lineman. I want that lineman. Man? I want that lineman that's not going to move. He knows what his job is and he's going to knock everything down in front of him and he's not going to let it through. As Christians, that's what God is calling us to do. Not run around, oh, I feel this way, I feel this way. No. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus wants to set his kingdom up right here, right now, today. This very moment, with his word in my life. His kingdom here. That's what Jesus said he came to do. It's not some pie-in-the-sky utopia, some faraway land. No, it's here. It's today. It's now. This is what Jesus wants for us every day. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. 1 Peter 5, 7 says what? Cast just those things you don't like to think about. Uh, just a couple things. Every single thing. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for us. Another incredible promise from God that we forget sometimes. We want to go find something else to give me compassion. The candy bar. The pizza. I love pizza. I love it. Any breakfast pizza, lunch pizza, supper pizza, whatever you want to put on the pizza, except for onions and peppers. But I like a lot of good things. See, we all have different feelings, right? As soon as I said that, you guys are like, wait a minute, I like onions. What are you talking about? And all these defenses fly up. Jesus says, no, cast all your anxiety upon me. It's not about what I like. It's about what Jesus has for me, because he cares most for me. I left my water bottle down there. I really need that right now, because I'm really thirsty. This brings me to my next point. I didn't do this on purpose. Jesus said, if any man thirst, what? Let him come to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the water of life, isn't he? Jesus is the water of life. What are we made up of mostly? Doctors are finding more and more the reason for illnesses, joint pain, chronic pains, headaches. I knew this when I was coaching way back when. 
if my girls came to practice with a headache, how much water did you have today? Oh, I think maybe six or maybe a glass. You're dehydrated. You need a gallon, a gallon and a half a day of this. Oh, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of Jesus. If Jesus said, I am the water, I better be getting on it. I need more of Jesus. And not just a little cup a day or a little verse a day. Are you kidding me? All my anxiety is his. And if I'm not going to be quenched, the anxiety is going to overrule. You follow what I'm saying? The anxiety is going to take over. So, well, I'm not really getting it in this one verse that I read today. So I guess I'll go to the doctor and he'll give me something for the anxiety. Now, I'm not judging. I'm just saying this is what God tells us us to do. I understand. God's word is more powerful than anything man can say or do. He said it right here. He cares for me. That's a promise. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. This is a verse that we know, we've read. But yet we rejoice in what? Yeah, it's hard to say. I rejoice. How? Lord, really? Some of you may know, I had this eye, my retina detached. I was playing tennis with the family for a few hours. When we, we got done and I was walking to the car, my eye went blind, this eye. And I was like, well, it didn't hurt. It just it went blind. I was like, Lord, is that you? <laughs> I said, talk to me. And I, I was crying. It didn't hurt, but I was, I was crying. I, I didn't want to go blind. Went, got home and went to the doctor. And he said, your retina is detached. We have to do surgery immediately. I had no insurance. I'm a missionary. No insurance. And I said, Lord, what do you want? I had full insurance when I was working at GP. They took good care of me there. When I lost, I, lost, I said, Lord, they do surgery in the doctor's office. It's supposed to be done in the hospital. It's put you to sleep. They, they put stick needles in your eye, and they do all. And I had to hold my own head on the thing with the lasers going in the back of my head. I felt like somebody jamming a spoon in the back. How many have had that done before? Huh? Were you asleep or awake? You were asleep? I know. They had to stay awake because they couldn't put me asleep in the doctor's office. He said, we got to do it. He says, you're going to have to hold yourself and you're going to have to do this. And the tears are just... I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I want to just get up and get out of here. I'll just stay blind. And this is... His word started flooding my mind. His word, not my thoughts. It was his word. It says, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And this verse came to my mind. Rejoice in your suffering. If Jesus suffered for me, much more pain than I can just get in this. I'll be okay. Whatever happens, Lord, my eye is yours. If you want me to be blind the rest of my life, okay. I will accept it as a gift from you. Isn't that what Job did? He didn't charge God foolishly, did he? He didn't stand all that stupid Satan, that Satan came in. He didn't do that either, did he? No, he rejoiced in his infirmities. He rejoiced in them. And that's what God says. Because we know the suffering produces what? Perseverance. That lineman, that lineman that's knocking that guy down, he didn't just get up one day and says, oh, I'm going to be a lineman and just go start playing on the field. No, he had to work out. He had to run. He's got to watch his diet. He's got to take in extra calories. He's got to do what he's got to do to do his job. That's what perseverance is. If I don't know the suffering of Jesus, 
I, can, I will never persevere in this walk with Jesus. I have to know his suffering. And character brings what? Hope. Perseverance sets up our character. Our character is people. Who we are. We're all worried about all, all the things. Oh, God, what does God have for us? It's not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. It's very simple. He wants us to have character in his suffering. And he wants us to what? Have hope. Hope in what? Hope in the truth of his word. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. And this is what he wants us to do. Hope in God. 5b of Psalms says, Hope in God. Philippians 4, 6-7 through and 19 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, even in the suffering, to be thankful. Let your request be made known unto God. And Are you kidding me right now, Lord? Lord, are you really serious about this? Why would you put that in this verse? Because you were doing really good until you, started, you came to that. And the peace of God, this is what we want. We want to have peace when we lay our head on the pillow at night. And we say, Lord, all these things that are racing in my mind, it's yours. And he takes it that quick. He will. He will. He'll take it that quick. The peace of God which passes all understanding. My brain doesn't work that way. My knowledge is so finite. It's so limited. The peace of God which passes my understanding will guard my heart and my mind in my opinions, in my feelings, and how great I am. <laughs> no. It will keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And we like to read this one. Many of us have it memorized. My God shall supply all your needs according to what you want, according to your plans. Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say that, does it? Supply all your needs according to his riches. And what are his riches? The first will be last. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not me. Christ living in me. The crucified life? Not pretty. It's not glamorous. Not too many spotlights on the cross. The rugged cross. Pretty cross, yeah, I'll wear a pretty cross. Nice gold cross. The bloody, rugged, flesh-ridden cross with bones sticking out. And, ah, Lord, I'd rather not think about that today. I don't want to be tore up. Jesus says, that's okay. You can be tore up for me. Because I did it for you. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. D.L. Moody said this, A soul without hope in God is clamorous. A soul without hope in God cannot what? Truly find rest. We just read it. We just read it in those verses. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Please. Hope will fill our soul with such an inward joy and peace that we can laugh while tears are in our eyes, sigh and sing all in one breath. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river comes my way. And you can be sitting there saying, yeah, it's all in crying and yet rejoicing. Yeah, all in one breath. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Please. Faith tells us that Christ will do 
Faith tells us that Christ will do. But what does hope do? Go ahead and speak it. Speak the word. What does it say? This is what we've just read in scriptures. All those verses wrapped into a few short sentences. Hope keeps knowledge. Not my knowledge. Not my great wisdom. But the knowledge of the creator of the universe. What Jesus Christ has spoken in John 1.1 said, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The same was with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And life was the light of men. It's, it's there. All of creation in Jesus Christ. The word can dwell in us. When troubles come, this is awesome. If somebody is telling you about something, and they said, I don't want to hear about God anymore. Guess who Jesus is? Jesus is intellect. He is knowledge. He is common sense. He is wisdom. You can speak knowledge. You can speak God's word without ever mentioning his name, the, name, the God name, or Jesus, because Jesus is all those things. Truth is truth. In the, darkness sees the truth. Darkness has to run away. That's what God's word tells us. It's the promises of God's word. There's no room for darkness when truth comes. It pours into us. It fills us. And it gives us power beyond our wisdom. It's Jesus and his word. Because he's the one that created it all. It's there for all of us. He doesn't pick and choose. The Bible says he stands at our heart's door and what does he do? Does he come up and he kick the door down? What are you guys doing in here? Get out, get out here and do Get in church. Get out here and get busy for me. doesn't say he's pounding at our heart's door. Every single day. All day long. I want to come in. I want to eat with you. I want to go fishing with you. Right? I want to go to the restaurant with you. I want to go play softball with you. I want to go play lacrosse with you. I love lacrosse. I used to hate it. I didn't hate it. I didn't know what it was. And now God's stretching me. You're going to be a lacrosse coach. What? I can't do that. And I'm not going to pay you either. You can do it for free. Okay. (laughs) Wow, this is great. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Other part of verse 5, almost to the end. I will appraise him. He is my salvation. There is no salvation in any other but Jesus Christ. We read that all throughout God's word. From the very beginning, all of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Israel is running around looking for salvation, running to other countries. Oh, if we only had a king, we want to be like other. Then we'll have it all. Then we'll be wonderful. Okay, here's your king, Saul. Saul turned out great, didn't he? He's a human being. Following the wrong people. The wrong thing. I will praise him because Jesus is my salvation. Flip to the next screen. All the sorrow of my heart springs principally from our unbelief, not from the greatness of other evils. I mean, think about that a minute. Read it. All the verses we just read. This is what this is talking about. All the sorrows of the heart spring principally from our unbelief not from the greatness of other evils. I'm going to say something now that may shock some of us, and maybe we've thought about this before. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. 
I've told my children this since they were little kids and they were laying scared and they thought Satan was going to come tear them up and rip them apart. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not God. Our biggest battle is with our own flesh. That's why Jesus said, I have to be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not in anything else. We can talk about, Jesus talked about hell and Satan more than anywhere else in Scripture. He knew where the battle was. But Paul made it clear that Satan is not everywhere all at once. And many theologians believe that Satan has his kingdom set up in the Middle East, and you can check history, it's pretty obvious that's where he lives. But his demons come and oppress. And if we're not filled with God's word, if we're not filled with the power of the hope of Scripture, they will, they will destroy us. They will just, we're, we're his children, but they'll make us ineffective. They will oppress us in many different ways. Because Jesus said, our hope has to be in him in the truth of his word. And if we hide his word in our heart, we won't sin against God. Powers of darkness have to flee. Powers of darkness have to go away. Because our heart will spring eternally, principally from the, God, the concept of our belief in God's word. Just by listening, we make our decision. Just by listening, we make our choice. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. Christianity does not provide the reason for each experience of pain, but it does provide deep resources for actually facing suffering with hope and courage rather than bitterness and despair. How many times with my hand up, we've found ourselves so torn up by distress and care that we, we, we can't see the light sometimes. We've been there. We've been there. Be honest, I've been there. This is what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. The only hope is Jesus. Go ahead and flip to the next screen. That is the last one. Okay, good. I made it. I made it through. Last thought. There was a man named Peter who had lost all hope. He had denied Christ three times. He was ready to die. The disciples were hiding. They thought, Dude, ladies and gentlemen, the Roman soldiers didn't play games. If you defied the empire in any way, you're going to take you out. Cut off your head, chop off your arms, whatever they want to do. Hang you outside with no clothes on and rip all your skin off. That's what they did. That's what they did for fun. That was their enjoyment. Paul, Paul, Peter was ready to die. He had no hope. He had given up all hope. Jesus was dead, even though Jesus said, I'm going to come back. The same way you see, I'm going to come back. He, he didn't get all the stories. Man, Peter, you, you don't get it, do you? Imagine, no hope. All is lost. Our Savior, our King, the one we were supposed to follow, I was going to, I was going to ride right on the right side. I was going to be on the horse right beside him. I had my sword ready, and we're going to take everybody down. He was ready to go. But Jesus is dead. The gates and doors were barred. All the windows were fastened down. And Peter spent the night in sleeplessness. He rose at every sound. 
half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear of the day. He would find the soldiers breaking through to drag them all away. Just before the sunrise, he heard something at the wall. The gates began to rattle, and a voice began to call. He hurried to the window and looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary. So he went down to let her in. John stood there beside him. And she told us where she'd been. She said they moved him in the night. None of us knows where. The stone has been rolled away. Now his body isn't there. They both ran toward the garden, and John ran on ahead. And they found the stone in the empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. The winding sheet they wrapped him in was just an empty shell. How or where they'd taken him was more than Peter could tell. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything that Peter promised him added to his shame. When at last it came the choices, he denied he knew his name. Even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly, the air was filled with strange and sweet perfume. Light was shining in from everywhere. It drove all the shadows from the room. And Jesus stood before him with his arms held open wide. And he fell down on his knees and he just clung to him and he cried. He raised me to my feet. And as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from them like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet relief. And everything I'd promised him melted into pieces. He is alive. He is alive. Then we can say my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Nothing, nothing in me. And then he counts me his child. I am his prize. For what it's worth, to him it's everything. Because he gave it all. What's holding me back? What's holding us back? Doubt, anxiety, pain, suffering. Jesus already took it all. Bear one another's burdens as Christ has bear our burdens. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. It's not an accident that we're here today. I thank you for the incredible privilege to share these precious thoughts from Psalm 42, verse 5. And so, there's so much more here that we could spend days and hours and hours on the hope we find in Jesus. I pray that as we're listening to your word, that your spirit would, would drag us, would pull us, would guide us into the scriptures, and we would change according to your word. 
If there's somebody here this morning that said, man, I, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I want to follow him with that kind of hope. That today would be the day they say, Lord, take my life. It's yours. I've, I've been playing games, I've been pretending, and I have not stepped up. Today's the day. I'm going to serve you forever and ever. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, he would save us. It's that simple. Just like the thief on the cross. He accepted the fact that he was a sinner. He believed that Jesus was who he said he was and he confessed his need of a Savior. That simple. If you're a Christian here today, you've already you've prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, but you need hope. Your hope has been crushed, it's been lost, it's been buried. Today would be the day you say, yes, I'm going to hope in Jesus. I've been hoping in way too many things, and today, my hope is in you, Lord. And Lord, not just today, but every single day, as soon as we get up in the morning, whatever you eat, drink, or whatever we do, it's all for your glory, the hope of your glory, for your kingdom in us. To share the light with somebody that's in darkness. And yes, Lord, they're not going to love the light. They're going to push us away and they're going to hate us. But that's okay. It's our job to be your servant. And to keep loving no matter what. And I thank you for the promise that you will never leave us. And you will never forsake us. I love you, Father. I love you so much. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for allowing me to serve you every day. I pray that would be everyone's prayer here in this room. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.